0: For by grace you have been saved through faith, from Saint Paul's letter to the Ephesians. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. It is great to be back here at Saint Barnabas, and uh, the last, my first visit was shortly into the pandemic, and um, you know at that point we were all a little anxious about getting out and being around people. So it's good to see the church as full as it is today. We've uh, made it most of the way through Lent, and the entire season of Lent has been pointing us towards one thing, and that is the cross, the cross of Good Friday. And during the season of Lent, we might ask ourselves the question, just who is it that went to the cross on my behalf? Who is it that went to the cross on your behalf? Another way of asking the question for those who are being confirmed today, just who is it that you're pledging your obedience to? Who is it that you're saying that you will follow? It's a question that ought to be answered before we reach Good Friday and certainly before Easter morning. And the question is, again, who went to the cross for me? The answer to that question is so important that it determines whether or not I even need to be in church on Sunday morning or on Easter Sunday or any Sunday for that matter. In fact, the answer to that question makes a difference in whether or not it's even worth being a Christian. Ask yourself who it is that went to the cross for me. One way we could get to the answer is by asking who was it on that mountain that fed 5,000 men plus women and children, and did so with just a handful of bread and fish. The feeding of the 5,000 is one miracle that shows up in all four of the Gospel accounts. Only the resurrection and the feeding of the 5,000 are in all four Gospels in terms of miracles. And the reason this miracle is in all four of the Gospels is because of its magnitude, its importance ultimately answers the question, who went to the cross for me? The feeding tells us two major things, that Jesus is who he claims to be, perfect man, perfect God. It also tells us that when we allow Jesus into our midst, miracles can happen. He will provide, whether it's comfort or hope or forgiveness, as St. Paul has said in Ephesians this morning. It's funny, but we're always interested in a baby's first words. It might take some imagination, but we try to determine what it is they were saying and then we may even write it down in a book. But We're also interested in a person's last words. We think that maybe some kind of insight from that person or his personality will be revealed as we hang on to those dying words. Some wise person once said the last words of ever dying church is we never did did it that way. And I have to admit you know I've been guilty of saying that myself. If those are the last seven words of the church then what are the first seven words? The knowledge of who went to the cross allowed St. Paul to say to the Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The first seven words of that statement are really the first seven words of the church. I can do all things through Christ. I can, we can. It's a lot easier to say I can't or we can't. I can't control my temper. I can't control my anger. I can't control my jealousy or my appetite. I can't stand my job. I can't live a good life. I can't pray in public or I can't teach Sunday school. Yet those are things that a lot of people can do. What makes them different? Instead of focusing on the negative, they start with a positive. Many churches emphasize what they don't have in the way of people or budgets or resources or facilities. And that makes some churches kind of depressing to be around. I believe that everything that we need here at St. Barnabas or any church is already here. God has already provided it himself. Because we went to the cross, we as a family of Christians can focus on what we do have. The people present here this morning, the possibilities of ministering in the name of Christ to others, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's the one that allows us to say, I can. I can do all things. Paul didn't say some things or just the things I like, but all things that God had called him to do. And Paul's list of accomplishments was pretty impressive, don't you agree? When we think of everything we should be doing as Christians, the list is pretty overwhelming. World evangelism, ending world hunger, pushing for world peace, healing relationships and healing bodies. We can't do all that. But Paul knew that Jesus was with him. So he began with one person at a time, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And in doing that, he planted churches all across Asia Minor, With Jesus in their midst, the disciples took a couple pieces of bread and a couple fish and began handing it to the crowds, one person at a time, and everyone had enough to eat. They all participated in Christ's great miracle. I can do all things through Christ. I hope you would remember that sentence today. I can do all things through Christ. The disciples could not have fed 5,000 people, plus women and children. As Philip said, they would have to work for eight months to make enough money to buy food for everyone. They couldn't meet the needs of the people. But with Jesus in their midst, with Jesus present, everyone was fed. John's version of the story even has a sacramental tone to it. He uses the same words that are used at the Last Supper. Jesus took the bread and gave thanks and then distributed it. That's because John wants us to see the Lord of the universe is as concerned about our physical needs as he is our spiritual needs. Jesus, working through us as individuals and as a church, is what makes possible victorious Christian living and effective Christian ministry. Jesus working through us just as he did the disciples on that mountain. Because Jesus is who he says he is, we can do all things through him. If we allow him into our midst as followers, he will work miracles. The same Lord of the universe who is present with us now who wants to meet our physical and spiritual needs is the same Lord who went to the cross 2000 years ago. A French peasant went into his local church an hour before work every day and an hour after work every day. And after years of observing this practice, his priest finally asked him what he did for those two hours each day. He answered, I just look at Christ and he looks at me. This man knew the answer to the question, who went to the cross for him? The person who took my place on the cross, who died for my sins, had to be the son of the living God. Only the Son of God could have died for the sins of the whole world. A traveling rabbi, a moral teacher, a crazy Jewish man could have only paid the price for his own sins, certainly not the sins of the whole world. The reason that 2,000 years later we still participate in Lent and remember Holy Week and celebrate Easter Sunday is because Jesus went to the cross for you and for me and for everyone everywhere. The season of Lent helps us prepare our hearts and our souls to hear the message of an innocent, perfect, pure God-man dying on the cross for me. Lent challenges us to know for certain who went to the cross for us and what it means. Jesus Christ, he is Lord and Savior. And for you being confirmed today, that is who you are saying you will follow and who you will obey. Jesus on the cross, Jesus in our hearts, Jesus here and now means that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us.